I'm Richard Morris from Canberra, Australia. In 2014, I was very sick with complications from type 2 diabetes. After taking the dietary advice of the Australian Diabetes Association, I became more diabetic. Oh, no. I did some research, which led me to the ketogenic diet. Long story short, I reversed my type 2 diabetes. In 2016, I was determined to help my buddy Carl by showing him what I did and the science behind it. Hey, that's me. I'm Carl Franklin from the United States, and I also used to be a type 2 diabetic, but not as severely as Richard. Hmm. I devoured all the information Richard sent me, and after a mutual friend went keto to address prostate cancer, I also went on the ketogenic diet. That was February of 2016. By April, I was already reversing my diabetes. Yeah, we started a podcast called Two Keto Dudes to chronicle Carl's journey and provide some information to those who are curious about this dietary lifestyle. Yep. And now we have over 200 podcast episodes, and some of them have been downloaded hundreds of thousands of times. We also have an online community of tens of thousands of people who have followed us and changed their own lives. We also founded an annual conference festival called KetoFest. Carl and I are software developers. As such, we found ourselves at software conferences several times a year. We really gravitate toward the conversations that happen in the hallways at a conference. Yeah. Sure, the talks are great but it's the community that we enjoy the most. So KetoFest is a conference to discuss the latest research of ketogenic diets, but it's also a festival celebrating the lifestyle of ketogenic dieting. Right. So Richard, what is a ketogenic diet? It's a diet where instead of burning sugar and starch for energy, my cells preferentially burn fat. And when my cells burn fat, that process produces molecules called ketones that fuel my brain. Right. Our primary molecular fuels are glucose, which we make from carbohydrates, and fatty acids, which we make from fat. Mm -hmm. Our cells have two modes. In one, they burn glucose and make fat. In the other, they burn fatty acids and make ketones. But you don't have to eat a high-fat diet to be ketogenic, right? When you're starting out, you may have to. And then, in a few weeks, as you become better adapted to burning fat for energy, when all of your calories come from fatty acids, the amount you need to eat becomes coupled to satiety, which integrates not only the variable amount of energy your body needs to run every day, but also the amount of fat that can be drawn down from storage. So, how many carbohydrates do we need to restrict ourselves to in order to get into that state? It depends. Some of us who are metabolically disordered need to get below 20 grams a day. Somebody who's quite metabolically flexible can eat as much as 100 grams a day. How about other nutrients like protein, minerals, and essential cofactors like vitamins and essential fats? You need from one to one and a half grams of protein for every kilo of lean mass. Beyond that, you just waste excess by turning into energy instead of using fatty acids. As for other essential nutrients, if you're eating fatty meats or eggs plus leafy green vegetables, you'll get most of those because the organisms that made those foods have already concentrated essential cofactors. Yeah, ketogenic diets are varied and delicious. They can be vegetarian or carnivore, home-cooked or takeout, hot cuisine, or hot just cuisine. bacon and eggs. <laughs> <laughs> as long as your carbohydrates are low enough. You can check out our Starting Keto podcast for more information at start.2keto.com. So let's check in. Richard, what's new with you? Um, I'm in lockdown. <laughs> Again? is in lockdown. For the first time in 399 days, we have one case of community transmission. Um, in fact, we have six, six cases in the community, uh, but five of them were close contacts of the first person. So, Wait, uh, so yeah, we have one case variant. and the whole country is locked down? In, in the whole state. <laughs> the state is locked down. Okay. Yes, exactly. So, But, I mean, we've had no cases for like 400 days. So Yeah, well, 
Mm-hmm. How long is the lockdown? It's a week until we uh, get to zero, um, and then if it uh, if we don't get to zero, it goes to a second week, and um, and potentially uh, potentially we can get on top of it because the thing is when you have very few cases, testing and tracing becomes a lot easier. So we have mm. four hour queues at the testing centre where people are just lining up uh, to get uh, to get tested, sort of uh, in a drive through testing. Uh, center. And so we're, we're, I think we're testing 30,000 a day, uh, people a day. Wow. Um, and so, um, we're pretty sure that, uh, that we can trace this. And I think we have, uh, we have a team of trace, tracers who are sort of going through all of the contacts of the person who, uh, the people who've been infected and where they've been. And we have a pretty good system of, uh, QR codes at uh, every facility that you go to, so we mm. can sort of backtrack what what are, what other people were in there and get them to uh, get a, a test. So uh, it's a lot easier to get on top of when you you know you don't have uh, one hundred twenty thousand new people a day. Yeah, right. Well, good, good luck. And um, I thought when you said you were in lockdown that. We weren't going to see you for another year or so. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, it, it should only take a week, hopefully. Um, That's good. But, uh, and we also test the sewage so we can tell. Uh, we we knew there was a case before anybody was tested positive because wow. the wastewater showed um, presence of viral RNA. So, you know, it's a That's very really early smart. warning system. So, how have you been, Carl? How's your week been? Pretty good. You know, as I mentioned last week, um, I started a, a regimen of uh, keto chow shakes. You went on the Chris Bear diet. Yeah, the Chris Bear diet. Um, you know, I'd rather, I'd much rather eat food. And I've always said this that, you know, we don't need no stinking shakes or whatever. But here's the results of this week yeah. no cravings. My cravings went to zero. And, nice. you know, the keto chow kind of helps me keep my mind off food. But I have had meals, you know, but. They've, my keto meals have been smaller and I never felt the urge to overeat. So in short, the keto chow sort of helped me get back on track when I felt out of control. And the results are pretty good. I'm 15 pounds down since I started about 10 days ago and my blood sugar and ketones are solid. I should mention this is not an ad. We don't do ads. So I know it sounds like an ad, but. But, no, yeah, it's not you know. an ad. Uh, <laughs> I, this is a, a real uh, thing that I wanted to try because I never have. And I felt so out of control that uh, I just needed something different. And uh, it turned out that it really, really worked. So um, thanks, uh, Chris and Miriam. And they're good friends of ours, too, anyway. Yeah, so uh, that's true. Uh, it's, been a, it's been a delicious journey so far. Mm, nice. Well, we've introduced, we've checked in, and now it's time for... Carl, you have missed that so much. Yes, I (laughs) I have. It's a pent up male. (laughs) Yep. It's, uh, you know, I I took a nod from Blues Clues, which Mm -hmm. I, you know, because I have daughters, they loved Blues Clues. And so that was the the very simple. Uh, introduction to mail. Hey, mm-hmm. um, this one this week comes from the forum, um, at ketogenicforums.com. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, once fat adapted, are we always fat adapted? And Chris says, hi, all. I'm new to these forums, but not new to keto. I've been on and off for a few years now. My question is about fat adaptation as I am training for a race in October. 
Mm-hmm. He doesn't really say what kind of race, bicycles or whatever, mm-hmm. cycling or running. I don't know. Uh, I was keto for four weeks, then fell off the wagon on Sunday, and I've been eating carbs ever since, five days. I thought I screwed it all up, but I found this forum, and now I'm wondering, after reading posts on here, if I can just pick up where I left off regarding the fat adaption process. If I get back to strict keto ASAP, can I get back to fat adapted? I do less than 20 grams uh, net carbs per day. Will my fat adaptation process continue on, or am I back to square one? Thanks in advance, and any advice is much appreciated, Chris. So everybody takes a different amount of time to become fat adapted, and it depends mm. whether you were severely metabolically ill when you started, uh, or if you were quite metabolically flexible, your fat ap- adaptation will be a lot quicker. This is what metabolic flexibility really means. Metabolic flexibility yeah. means you can easily move from burning glucose to burning fatty acids. Mm. And um, somebody who is metabolically dysregulated is sort of locked into burning glucose. They can't burn fatty acids. And so, um, you know, the the I, I suspect that if he's been on keto for, for many years, for a few years, and now he's gone off keto for five days, he's probably going to get back pretty quickly. Yeah. Now- if he had had a uh, glucose tolerance test after five days of eating carbs, he would probably find that that he is that he's almost back to being a, a, a full on carb burner. And this is this problem that we have when you do a glucose tolerance test. If you've been on a low carb diet for long enough, um, because your body is adapted to burning fatty acids, it's expecting fatty acids, then all of a sudden you get a glucose tolerance test, which is 150 mils of, of glucose. Right. Um, all of a sudden, um, your body doesn't really have the machinery to be able to utilize it. And so that first hit of carbs after not having carbohydrates for a long time, uh, your body has to spin up a lot of machinery and it takes several days to get there. And Dr. Kraft, who uh, invented the insulin assay, used to say two weeks, you know, eat, eat, eat 150 grams of carbs at least for two weeks and then do the insulin assay with the old glucose tolerance test mm-hmm. um, and then you can, uh, you can see what your metabolism is really doing. Uh, he didn't say how long it takes to get back to being fat adapted. My mm. guess is, uh, think back to when you first went keto, how many days did it take you? It took me six right. weeks, but some people take, you know, get there in, a, in two weeks. If it took you two weeks, then I suspect having been keto for a couple of years and just been off for five days, maybe it'll take you, you know, another five days or a week to, to get back to all your cells being able to efficiently burn fatty acids where they mm. were five days mm. ago. So what do we always so, say, Carl, when you fall off the wagon? Bacon and eggs. Get <laughs> right back on the eggs. horse. Get right back up on the horse. So, yeah, that, that's my advice. What do you think? Yeah, well, I can only tell you about my experience because um, I'm not a scientist. But uh, my experience has been that, yeah, if, if, if I get off keto, and I believe me, I did in the last couple of years, but not for five days. I never went five days. You know, it's been like a keto cheat meal here, and then three or four days later of strict keto, another one, you know, and that's kind of the worst that it ever got. But after doing that for a while, that sort of, you know, half-assed pattern, which, by the way, is how I got diabetic in the first place. Mm. Um, after doing that for a while, it just gets very, very hard to go through that, you know, like a full week or a full week and a half. And for me, that's, 
that's why I did what I did with the keto chow. Yeah. But, uh, you know, everybody's different. I'm not recommending keto chow for anyone who's in this particular spot or not. Um, I'm just saying that it seemed to have, it seems to have worked for me. But then again, I also have a podcast and I got friends yeah. like you guys keeping me honest. Yeah. So, you know, you know who we should talk to? We need to talk to a nutritionist. We need sure. an ex, we need an expert on it. We really do. Yeah. Yeah. If we only Dude, had a nutritionist if, if, that could come on the show. If we had a new one. <laughs> <laughs> well, that brings us to our interview today. And uh, our guest is Karen Ogilvie. Now, she's an RHN. Now, what is an RHN, Karen? Hi, dudes. Um, <laughs> an RHN is a registered holistic nutritionist. All right. Well, let me continue with your introduction. I'll read your bio. Um, Karen began her keto journey in 2016 after being diagnosed with atrial fibrillation and prediabetes. Through time-restricted eating and a ketogenic diet, she has improved her A1C from 6.2 to 5.0 and lost Booyah. 130 pounds, people. Booyah! <laughs> Booyah! Her passion for helping others achieve health and wellness led her to create Holy Holistic Keto on Facebook. She became a nutrition professional as a registered holistic nutritionist. Ah, if I had just read it, I wouldn't have had to ask you. <laughs> Graduating from the Canadian School of Natural Nutrition in 2018. She can be contacted in her Facebook group, in the ketogenic forums, or via email at Karen at holyholisticketo.com. Welcome. Welcome, you, Karen. Thanks for having me. You've been on the show before. We had you as a guest before. You did. Yeah. yeah. It, was, it was a while. It was about four years ago. Long time, no chat. Yeah. That was before before you graduated, right? That was before I started. I, I had just ah. registered to take, uh, to take this. It was supposed to be a year long course, but they, mm -hmm. they uh, sort of fibbed about it. And it was about a year and a half before you could take your board exam. <laughs> <laughs> but we we recorded when we were in Toronto. Um, Richard and I went up to meet with uh, Dr. Fung and Megan. And we, you know, you were like, hey, I'm literally around the corner from you. Not really, but, you know, a, really a, know. a good stiff drive away anyway. And Richard you thought I was literally around the corner. He said, how about you come up and meet with us? <laughs> and I'm like, all, all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll get so, there. <laughs> so, uh, you, it was you who introduced me to allulose. Thank you. Ah, yeah. yes. Yeah, well, that was uh, Jennifer Kleiman. She uh, has Moons Grove Farms, and she did a lot of experimenting with all the sweeteners, and, and that was the one that, uh, because she was quite diabetic before she started keto, she wanted to find one that had all these benefits as well as not... Um, as, as tasting good. So I, I got a little allulose story last night. Oh. I had I mixed some allulose with water to make a simple syrup, and yes. it dissolves faster than regular sugar does. So it's amazing. It does. It's 75% of sweetest sugar, has mm -hmm. absolutely zero aftertaste, and mm -hmm. and uh it has no uh according to the research, has no effect on blood glucose levels. So I mixed a simple syrup. I got some Gosling's rum, and I got uh, a little ginger <laughs> seltzer. Oh, nice! <laughs> no, a little ginger seltzer and okay. some allula, and I made a dark and stormy, and it dark was and delicious. Delicious. Ah. Yeah. See, with with a bit of mint and soda and syrup and rum, 
you'd have yourself a mojito. There's a mojito. Yeah, as, as a nutritionist, you know we um, like to say we 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 talk poop all the time. Um, so as a nutritionist, <laughs> you have to be a little cautious with the allulose, especially if you're making a syrup. Uh, the dosage of allulose, the the tolerance is weight based. So if you're a tiny person, um, don't have a lot. Now are you talking? It will ab- go right through you. Ah, uh, yes, uh. yes. <laughs> ah, good advice. Sage advice. <laughs> <laughs> Not something I've ever had to worry about from allulose, but I get it. Yeah, I, yeah. I understand that. <laughs> so, so now, Karen, you'd lost a lot of weight on keto when you first started in 2016, right? How much? Yeah. 130, 130 uh, yeah, pounds? it was about 130 pounds. I mean, I think it was like 130 pounds for a hot minute, and then I bounced back up to 120 pounds lost. Ah, yeah. <laughs> but, then, and then, but then you, but in trying to keep, Trying to keep low, you ran into problems. I remember you saying that you lost a toenail at one point. Yeah, the, going what? from losing 120 pounds to 130 pounds, um, I, like so many other people, became impatient that you know things weren't going as quickly uh, as they mm. were before, mm. and I had it in my head that I I had to I had to lose two pounds a week. I had to, and, and yeah. no one was going to take me seriously as a nutritionist unless I was thinner. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, it turns out that's not true. Um, it's you know there are certain weight loss coaches that wouldn't take me seriously unless I was quite slim. But uh, but people yeah, that idiots. want <laughs> advice, people that want advice from me because they're they're starting their own low carb journey. They appreciate I'm personally the wary that, of. I'm personally wary of anybody who offers me weight loss advice. Who's <laughs> yeah, who's never been morbidly obese. It's yeah. never been morbidly obese. Yeah, yeah, because it's like you're you're dealing you know, somebody that uh, oh honey you did this to <laughs> lose like ten pounds, yeah. you know, or somebody that yeah. did this to lose a hundred and ten pounds. It's almost like you're dealing with two different animals. And then John Panette says, you know, you're really fat when you lose 100 pounds and your friends say, yeah, I can see it in your face. (laughs) (laughs) That totally happened to me. I have a big fat head. So, you know, lose 50 pounds and people be like, oh, you you look a little little thinner around the there." And then they continue to give you dietary advice where it's like, you know, no, that 8,500 pounds you just lost. I don't know what you did, but here's how you really lose weight. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Well, and I I bought into that a bit, you know, and I guess I was feeling a bit insecure about my progress. I don't know why, because at that point, I'd already lost 120 pounds. I was no Mm. longer diabetic and uh, feeling pretty great. Yeah. But I decided to really push it. So I I lost the the, uh, 120 pounds through um, nutritional ketosis, Mm time-restricted eating, and -hmm. some alternate day fasting. I did that quite frequently and to push myself past that, what I decided to do was to have a smaller refeed between alternate day fasts. So a very lean, low calorie refeed. And that's where I ran into problems. Wow. So Mm. you still got plenty of protein. But it was oh yeah, you, yeah, you know, it's definitely low, low carbs. I, I was lifting weights. Meals. I was exercising. I was eating lots of protein, but I wasn't getting enough energy between between fasts. Yeah, wow. I mean, it's a simple um, thing that people think that you know, if I just keep on reducing calories, I'll lose weight faster. And there's a point below which 
you now no longer have calories to waste on frivolous things like growing hair and toenails. And, <laughs> and that, that's what happened to me, that I just I was feeling unwell. I wasn't as energetic, um, and I was losing lean, uh, lean muscle mass. Mm. Yeah. That was where a great deal of the, those last 10 pounds came from. Wow. It wasn't, you know, I was still losing fat. But, you know, you, you can, if you're eating an 800 calorie a day diet, you will lose fat. Yeah. But you other things lose happen. a lot of lean tissue and was, you get a, a metabolic haircut, basically. Yeah, yeah, metabolic haircut. Tell me about losing a toenail. How did how does that happen? Does it just fall off? Or is it is it just a red sore? <laughs> well, they they just were very brittle. Just yeah, just very brittle, and you know, just cracking and falling apart. And same with my hair. Um, my menstrual cycle was off. Wow. You know, it was just uh, it was cold all the time. It's uh, yep. this went on for uh, a few months. It's about you know six months of this before I said, okay, this is crazy. <laughs> so then you started eating again, and you regained some weight. Right. Oh, yes. You were, so yeah, you were I regained. I regained a lot of weight. So this you know, is why I, people should listen to you because that because <laughs> this right. is an experience that a lot of people know about. Yes. So I I started you know and eventually instead of what I should have done was you know when weight loss slowed was just to become comfortable in my rut just to keep calm and keto on as some yeah. dudes once said and or several times said but mm -hmm. um but what instead what i did was i you know i tried to dig myself too deep into a deficit and then you know i'd, I'd swing around and say the heck with it so you were talking about your you know occasionally going off plan um in uh, my facebook group we'd like to call that cheetosis Cheetosis, uh, yeah. Which is a good. really good way to gain a lot of weight. It really is, yeah. <laughs> so yeah it seemed so like for a while there, every four days I was having a grinder or a couple pieces of pizza or something, and it just Yeah, something like work. that, yeah. And, and, uh, you know, I, I would tell people a really good way to gain weight is to be keto, you know, Monday to Friday, and then yeah. spend Saturday eating pizza and butter tarts. You know, mm -hmm. ask me uh, how I know. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> so, how much did you put back on? So, if you lost 130. So I lost a lot 130, and I gained back between 50 and 60. Yeah, wow. it was it was significant. That's, that was yeah, over 18 months. Yeah, you weight back. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was, that was over 18 months. Now, the difference was, I think, you know, any other time, like, I've, I've been a dieter, since puberty, right? Like so many other women have been trying to lose weight since I, since yeah. I was in high school. And uh, other times when I had lost a significant amount of weight, once, you know, by doing it, by really restricting calories and eating low fat. Mm. Right. When I would go off, when I go about off plan, I would gain that weight back plus some. Um, with this, because I was low carb most of the time, it, saved me from from gaining it all back right yeah and it saved me from becoming diabetic again yeah but yeah it just it just it's not a plan you know it did for unless you're somebody that is uh quite uh, metabolically flexible um having a really hard carb day isn't going to work out because you know people yeah. that are more metabolically flexible tend to be able to uh, burn those carbs uh, quickly through mm. uh, physical activity. Yeah. So it's usually yeah. done for a purpose. You know, I have some people that do carb cycling and it's, it's done for a purpose. Um, 
but because you're going to you know, exercise because you're yeah. going to exercise yeah you know, richard and i always say carbs go in carbs go out nobody can explain nobody it nobody can explain it <laughs> 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 well, it's like it's like when you when i get on my bike i i i, I basically blow a hole in my glycogen you know yes. i have glycogen stored in my muscles and in my liver for you know in case i need them mm-hmm. if i go on my bike and and do 14k to get to school and back you know, I, I'm going to do. I'm going to draw down some of that, and that gives me a little bit of extra leeway. So, you know, if I eat some more macadamias than I would normally eat, macadamias have a little bit of carbs in them. A um, bit. You know, but the you know by 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 poking a hole in my glycogen, I I give myself a little bit of extra capacity. So my weight gain um, started because of what I was eating. It was a little too much wine and a little too much cheese. Yeah, and I found that <laughs> those old- things. Those things really uh, set me back, and it doesn't take much. You tried the outfit. French diet. The French, <laughs> French diet, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I could eat cheese basically. When I when we first started this show, everything mm. was cheese. Cheese, 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 mm. cheese, cheese. Mm-hmm. I had no problems with it. And I guess, you know, what? You know, a few years older, a little more gray yeah. hair, and, you know, a little more tolerance, less tolerance to cheese. I don't know. Everybody's different. Yeah, well, cheese, cheese. You know, when you're starting keto, it it doesn't really matter too much no. for most people. How much cheese they're eating those first two to twelve weeks, depending. Yeah. Uh, but after after a while, things like nuts and cheese, um, you you can still have them, just in uh, in smaller quantities, or you know, only once a week. That, that you think that's not. Uh, personal thing that I just experienced. You think that a lot of people have that experience? It's a lot. It's yeah, yeah. it's a lot. (laughs) Um, Mm. I I do take people uh, through an elimination diet and we remove all dairy and nuts and eggs, things that are Mm. very common in in a ketogenic diet. Mm -hmm. And then we, we start testing, adding them back first with the egg yolk, then with the egg whites, then Mm -hmm. dairy and and nuts are usually at the end. Just uh, with, um, with diabetics, Sometimes you'll see some strange numbers um, from um, a food sensitivity that they weren't mm-hmm. aware that they had. Yeah, Tim Noakes says that you know if people have trouble on the, on his banting diet, mm-hmm. uh, try removing nuts and nuts and cheese and that or nuts and yeah. dairy. He says, but yeah, yeah. So yeah, so you gained weight back, Karen. You, you lost one hundred thirty pounds and you gained back sixty. But then something happened to you that didn't hasn't happened to anybody else. During lockdown, you lost it all again. I lost it all again. How yeah. did you do what? that? Well, the, what are you, I, a freak I, of nature? I know. Well, in short, <laughs> I I got really spooked. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, I'd, I, what I had done was I'd gained some weight back. And then it got to a point where I'm like, okay, I'm just not going to gain anymore. I won't really try to lose weight but I'm not going to gain anymore. I'm just going to be keto and not worry about gaining or losing. Okay. Um, but then, you know, March hit March, mm, 2020. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I went back home. I, I think Richard and I both left the, the airport on the 17th in Denver, of at the, in Denver. At the carb conference. Yeah. At Denver, yeah. It was the airport was uh, almost abandoned at that point. But I was uh, on the last plane out of Australia, uh, out to Australia. I mean, the, uh, the plane after that was had mandatory 14 hour, uh, 14 day, you, uh, quarantines. Just you literally did escape from LA. <laughs> <laughs> I did. 
Snake. But no, so I got home and I self-isolated for 14 days, you know, did the thing. And I initially thought, okay, I live in Ontario and we went through SARS and I think it was uh, 2003. So I thought this is going to be like SARS. It's, you know, it's going to be kind of spooky for a while, but it's, uh, it'll go away. Mm. And it didn't, <laughs> um, you know, so I was at home, you know, and just not gaining, not losing, just living my happy keto life. And then um, we started to get some data coming in on outcomes. And uh, the the first study um, that, that I read was looking at in range diabetics versus out of range diabetics for the mm. blood glucose. That was in China, it was, right? That was it was in China yeah. and it was alarming. <laughs> so I'm like, ooh, you know, now now's not the time to try my uh, my butter tart diet again. Um, <laughs> butter tart diet. <laughs> yeah, I'm Canadian, so you know I gotta have the butter tarts. <laughs> but um at the same time, you know, I, I'm in touch on social media with a lot of other people that have been eating a ketogenic diet for years. And then I started to see, you know, everyone's in lockdown. They're trying to figure out stuff to do. They're stressed. They're worried. And I started seeing the posts like, I learned how to make sourdough bread today. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I've made three loaves of sourdough bread this week, you know. That's, that's not keto, Karen. That's <laughs> not keto. Um, but <laughs> okay, I'm like, hmm, you know, like I'm seeing these studies coming in and the outcomes for people that are metabolically deranged, that are obese, that are diabetic, that are pre-diabetic. Yeah, it's, scary. It, it was pretty scary. And then I started to see pictures of my friends. All of a sudden, you're no longer seeing pictures of their their full body. They're not posting that anymore. You right. just see the, the head, the, the top of the head. The like angle. The top of yeah, the, the selfie stick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, don't, you don't see the under chin area. <laughs> Magic angle. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like oh, I, know what that, I know what that is. I, I went through that two the years camera ago. Camera trickery. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. And I remember that. So that I, and I thought to myself, well, I, I just went through this, you know, um, two years ago. I, I'm not doing it again. But yeah. the, there's no way, especially, you know, with this virus lurking that uh, seems to target <laughs> diabetics and uh, yeah. and the obese. Um, so I, I, I said, OK, you know what? Like I've been just sort of maintaining for a while. I'm I'm going to try to get back and figure out what worked, what didn't work, what motivated me, what I found discouraging and, you know, really figure this out and just start doing this again. And um, I started doing a um, hundred day alternate day fasts. Uh, mm. So I would do, so it'd be, you know, 50 days on 50 days off uh, because I, I really, day. Every, Every other, other day, day. Alter yeah. alternate day fasting. It wasn't fast. like 50 so days of fasting. No. It was not 50 days fasting. These were alternating <laughs> days. <laughs> I don't I don't fast well past, you know, uh, like 42 hours, 48 mm. hours. I, yeah. I, it, I, it disrupts my sleep. Yeah. So I, I was doing, it, it depended. When I started, I was doing like 42-hour fasts. But towards the end, the most I could do was 36 hours. I would wake mm -hmm. up and I'd be hungry. Yeah. You'd lost a lot of weight in that process of that 100-day fasting. So oh, your yeah. ability to provide energy from body fat had decreased. There's a rate limit 
based on how much body fat you have. And so it makes sense that you're fast. So you weren't able to fast for as long because you didn't have, you know, your buffers weren't as large. So um, that that would have made a difference. And this was a challenge. It was an online challenge, wasn't it, on Daisy's forum? Yeah, it was just something, you know, somebody said, um, oh, I'm thinking of doing 100 days of alternate day fasting. Who's in? And I'm like, sure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. I'll, and I'll how many other you. people stuck to it? Everyone, you know, there was a, a bunch of women that, you know, that this is uh, in the, the bitches, bitches, can I say bitches? Bitches, yeah, uh, you just keto <laughs> bitches. I said it like three times now. Kick ours, keto bitches. <laughs> Kick ours, keto bitches. There, there's a little fasting group, a uh, little satellite fasting group of women. And there are a handful of us that said, yeah, you know, we're all going to do 100 days of alternate day fasting. And then towards the end, it was just me. By myself. <laughs> but, but I got to tell you, though, that I, I did try alternate day fasting, but I wasn't ready for it. And Yeah, I, I did. there's some times where you hard. just have to call it. Yep. You, just, you know, yeah, you just and have to call the thing it. With fasting if it doesn't anyway. feel right, don't do it. Yeah. If it doesn't feel right, don't do it. Exactly. Yeah, I don't actually teach overnight fasting. Like, I'll do it, but I leave, you know, fasting coaching up to uh, the good people over at the fasting method uh, because, you know, they can do things like um order labs and, yeah yeah and they are they are the experts um so you know if somebody has a day where you know they're just not hungry then that's fine but i don't really teach it as a as a method mm -hmm. so you you have you have an up day down day don't you Instead of yeah. Fasting. So instead of instead of what i do is i teach people to have what i li like to do is to see the the energy um, that they're intaking be uneven because the energy that they're expelling will be uneven anyway. Mm -hmm. So yeah. you just kind of you keep the body guessing um, a bit so you don't yeah. have that metabolic uh, downregulation. Yeah. Um, so they'll have a day where they'll have, you know, two meals or three meals, depending on what their, their eating patterns are like. And mm -hmm. then the next day they will have one meal or two meals, mm. depending mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So ultimately, the goal is to get them to three meals, three meals, three meals, three meals. Yeah, I mean, like, um, you know, for me, if I'm maintaining, what happens is I'll, I'll have, I'll still have a down day, but it'll probably only be, you know, one or two a week instead mm. of three or four. Right. Okay. And the whole time you're you're ketogenic, so your ketones are high, or, or not necessarily high, but you know, you're producing ketones, and your blood yeah. sugar is low. So that's, that's why you can afford to do that, right? If, yeah, because it does sound like calorie restriction. And I know this is something that everybody talks about. And I think, Richard, you're going to address this, but mm. it, it's something that everybody talks about is don't calorie restrict, you know, fat to satiety, that kind of thing. Um, but if I you're, but if you're ketogenic. <laughs> I, I don't say that. No, 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 no. Um, I know we don't. I, I'm, I'm saying this is what I hear. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I'm, I'm not, with me, you know, to me, um, a calorie deficit isn't very important at all when you're just starting keto. But towards the end, yeah, um, yeah. Th there is going to be a, a little, a little tweaking of that. Um, I prefer to see people instead of going too deep into a deficit like I do, to use their their body that now is able to easily burn fat for fuel, mm. so you can move. Right. To be more, to be more active, to go out there and live your life yeah. and to focus more on eating well and having 
moving this this new body i to me you know if you've done all this work if you've been eating keto and all of a sudden you go from being tired and lethargic all the time because you're not able to use that energy for fuel you're storing it instead mm-hmm. it's like to me if you don't change how you're living your life it's sort of like you ever watch Ferris Bueller's Day Off with oh, yeah. uh, Cameron's dad in the car, the <laughs> yeah. Ferrari that just sits in the garage and he doesn't even drive it. It's just like yeah, he right. says, you know, yeah. once a week What's he wipes that, it boss? down with a diaper. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's it's like that. It's like okay, well, it, so you should be, you know, towards the end after you've done you know all this work to become a fat burning machine. Well, then you should be out there, you know, burning fat. You need to eat. And you need to, you know, go out there and spend the day playing with your kids to, you know, go and do all the fun things that you couldn't do when you were just too tired and obese to do them. Well, I know you say, you say eat the, uh, eat, eat the, to the, uh, the way that you're going to maintain, eat the, the, try to get, try to eat the way that, um, the kinds of meals that you want to eat while you're maintaining. Because yeah, you, you talk about eating as if about. you're already at your goal. I never want right. to see somebody um, eating this caloric deficit below what they would be at their goal. Yeah. So uh, d- to me, that's that is just a recipe for disaster. And you, you know, <laughs> I think you're talking about BS diets and um, bullshit, bullshit, <laughs> bullshit <laughs> diets. And to me, you know, unless it's like. A, med- a medically supervised diet mm, yeah. there, you really don't want to start digging yourself into that hole uh, because there's nowhere to go yeah. after that <laughs> yeah so well, that, and that's what so, happened to you with your toenail that, that's what I happened mean, you, to me yeah, yeah you met metab- yeah, that's you, what happened you, to me you lowered your metabolic rate so by by reducing your caloric caloric intake and then keeping the foot on the brake for so long right. your body had no choice it had to yeah, make furloughs, yeah, uh, you know. No harm in having a day where you're in a steep deficit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't like to see people do that day after day after day. Can, can we talk about your um, your uh, social media groups and yeah. the, the journey that you've been on? You started on Facebook, I think. And Yeah, you know, when I, when I started um, looking, I decided that, you know, I'd, I've gotten this diagnosis from my doctor. I was pre-diabetic. I had an A1C of 6.2 and I had atrial fibrillation, you know, mm. some other kind of tachycardia, heart issue. I, I remembered, you know, when I was in my mid-20s, I tried Atkins and that was the only thing that seemed to really work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I'm like, oh, I'm just going to do Atkins again. And I went on Facebook <laughs> And started looking up Atkins groups and I couldn't really find anything, hmm. but I did find a lot of groups that talked about keto. And I'm like, well, I know what ketosis is. That's like phase one of, of Atkins. Right. Right. So, uh, so I joined one of those groups and, um, you know, just, I, I found good information that, that helped me along. And uh, through those keto groups, I also discovered time restricted eating and alternate day fasting. Fung was just getting getting started. Uh, with yeah, his, his yep. new book, the Obesity Code, had just coming out. It, yeah, it that's just, when uh, we started. Came out just before that. Yeah, mm. yeah. So, uh, b- yeah. before long, you know, I was participating a lot. You know, getting good information from people, listening to what they had to say, mm. and you know, um, talking about my experiences. And within uh, you know a couple of months, I was helping run. Uh, one of the groups. It's now called uh, Keto Science Alliance. 
Keto so science. It's just thousand people, right? Keto it's science. There's people in that one. There's a there's a sister group that just focuses on recipes. A lot of mm-hmm. uh, a lot of really good recipe bloggers post their stuff, as well as our our home chefs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, there's a hundred thousand in that one as well. Um, but yeah, I started running these groups, and uh, it it really it really did keep me uh, motivated and inspired. Uh, by helping other people. So did you start this um, holy, holistic keto uh, program after the the lockdown experience or during the lockdown experience? How did that come about? And maybe you could even tell us a little bit about what it well, is. This, this was sort of something that I was, I was thinking about. This was before the lockdown. Um, I was sort of thinking about, now that I've graduated, exactly what do I want to be teaching people? Because, you know, I've got like a, the Facebook group, which is just sort of general science information, sharing mm-hmm. of, you know, support and, and advice. And, um, I, I was sort of having like a, a crisis of confidence that I, I just didn't know what I wanted to do with this, you know, these shiny new credentials. Right. Um, I knew, you know, I didn't want to be like a weight loss coach because that's mm-hmm. kind of boring and frustrating. And <laughs> right. Yes. You know, that it, 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 there are other people that are out there, you know, like uh, Kim Howerton is a weight loss coach. Uh, Dan yeah. Quibble. Bacon, Bacon Dan, he's a weight loss coach, mm-hmm. and they're they're really good at what they do. Yeah. Um. But pounds lost isn't the focus. My my focus, I wanted it to be more about health span, about incorporating uh, a nutrition first approach to improving your quality of life. Mm. So with that, you know, and I was thinking, what direction am I going to go in? That, that that's when I formed Holy Holistic Keto. So it's I. Uh, more of you know holistic the holistic nutrition is more about mind body spirit um with a nutrition first approach or zen the moment of zen to <laughs> <moment of> <laughs> <laughs> be zen like and, and i really i wanted i wanted that to to be my focus other than um you know um body fat percentage right. or uh food blogging you know there there's so many people out there that have fantastic food blogs mm-hmm. um and so and they probably I'll, never it, eat the food that they they probably never eat the food that they the, that the they food blog bloggers <laughs> the food bloggers i know that that, that i personally yeah. know do eat that food but okay. yeah there, there are a few of them that, I, that <laughs> I wonder if they're just you know licking the the burger on the styrofoam <laughs> bread or not <laughs> i have questions <laughs> so, so but, you you have a so you have a traffic light list for for your for your food. You you kind of went along with uh, Westman's Page Four style of oh yeah uh, or, or Noakes. Uh, you know, as I said, my my background was you know I discovered low carb through Atkins, and mm. he had food lists. Yeah, and you know he he wasn't wrong then, and yep. West Westman isn't wrong now. Yep. Nope. Um. You know, I figure if it if it ain't if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So you know, because I'm I'm um, holistic nutrition, my focus is on more whole foods. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the best quality of food that you can afford. Yeah. Um, or that you enjoy, and that's suitable for your biochemical individuality. And I choose to work with people that their biochemical individuality is best. Uh, 
is best. So it works best with a um, with a low carb diet. Yeah, right. Nice. And you also had uh, uh, exclusion diets as well, didn't you? you had a- the AIP diet for a while. The what? Yeah. Was- so did I. How does that work? It was what's, sort of what's a, AIP. Like a- Autoimmune protocol. Okay. Um, so there, you know, like uh, Rob Wolf, um, a few others out there do, you know, uh, autoimmune protocols. Paleo mom. Um, yeah. yeah, like a paleo thing. Yeah. Okay. Um, and the problem that I have with it is usually there's a lot of things like fruit, dates, uh, starchy tubers in it. So this this sort of diet would not work well with no. my uh, my ideal client. Hmm. Um, so I, I did, started to form food lists, uh, and el- an elimination protocol, um, a gut building protocol, okay. um, that was also very low carb. Hmm. Um, and I was doing this, you know, for people to discover food sensitivities, um, because, you know, you, you eliminate all these common sensitivities like egg whites, nuts, uh, nightshades. Mm-hmm. And then you slowly add them back. There's a process to add them back. But what I was finding with it when I, I was, you know, tested out on people, <laughs> my guinea pigs uh, were <laughs> exactly my little guinea pigs. I had some people that you know, they didn't seem to really have any food sensitivities that they were noticing, like no rashes, no mm-hmm. joint aches. But what they were finding was those last stubborn, you know, 10 to 20 pounds that they've been trying to lose for years yeah. all of a sudden came off. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So I'm like, I think I'm going to be using this for more than just food sensitivities. Mm. That, you know, they, they're still eating their normal amount of food, their normal amount of energy. You know, the, the meal frequency hadn't changed, but what had changed was just taking some foods out and then testing them to see if if they were the problem or not and it was usually something strange like like eggs you know that mm, they they didn't yeah. realize that they had a they had a problem with i have the opposite problem i when i eat eggs pounds come off i don't know whether <laughs> yeah yeah with i have no problem with eggs thank you i goodness. love eggs yeah, I yeah. have I have some I have a strange. Um, I, I, the last time I did this was in I think it was April this year. Hmm. I usually try to do at least you know a one month of it every you know year to six months, six yeah. months to a year. So and can you tell us I, how to? How I thought it was aspartame for me. <laughs> oh, aspartame. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, how does one take your? program or is it something that you enroll in is it something you download what's the what's the story well right now i there we do have um parts of it up on the ketogenic forums and the the holy holistic group under community um Mm -hmm. but the easiest way is to um join my facebook group holy holistic keto yeah and it's right there in the pinned announcements it's going to be there for uh, a little while longer and then i'm going to take it down because we're going to be focusing on the um the elimination diet to you know kickstart uh sub- stubborn weight loss is this something you charge for um yeah i do one-on-one coaching um as well um so that i i do charge for um, but all the information but, you give away but but the the facebook group is, is always free yeah no I'm, I'm always there to answer questions that's great there yeah yeah. 
but so if you so, want so a more a free program more, if, if somebody wants face to face yeah then. yeah if somebody wants like a more tailored approach because mm. you know sometimes you have to tweak things for um, right. for different needs so you know if if they want that or if they want you know um just more hands on support then then they opt for the uh having face-to-face consultations. That's awesome. Well, Karen, it's a great story and I'm, I'm so happy that you're happy and healthy and uh, and doing things to help everybody else. That's what it's all about. So, I, I totally appreciate it. And from all the listeners, thank you very much. Well, thanks for having thanks, me Karen. on, guys. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. And now I think it's time for our new segment. Uh, what do we call it, Carl? Oh, how do you spell that? <laughs> B-O-O-L-S-H-E-E-T. How else would you spell it? How else? So, what's bullshit today, Richard? Okay, this week I want to talk about calories in and calories out. Excellent. I thought that was uh, not bullshit. That's bullshit? Yes and no. The, the excess between the calories you eat versus the calories you use is totally stored as extra fuel, mostly as fat, but it could also be stored as lean tissue. Okay. The first law of thermodynamics tells us that the amount of energy in a closed system is conserved. So the chemical energy that you extract from food equals the amount of calories that, of work that's going to be performed by your body plus the amount of calories of heat that's radiated from your body, and the balance is stored as new chemical energy in the form of macromolecules of fat, glucose, and amino acids. So eating, so eating too much and not moving enough is how we get fat? Oh, no, that's mostly bullshit. Okay. <laughs> well, let me say rather it's an overly simplistic understanding of the biology involved. Okay. Let's start with the fact that we don't actually eat calories. I'm pretty sure I've eaten some calories. <laughs> actually, you've eaten some potential calories. Okay. To get nerdy about it, calories are a unit of energy. One calorie is the amount of energy required to inc- increase the temperature of one gram of water from 15 degrees Celsius to 16 degrees Celsius. That's just one degree rise in temperature. Okay. It would be a pretty remarkable trick of biology if we could actually eat energy. No, now that you say fuel. it that way, I totally understand. <laughs> we eat fuel. Fuel is potential energy. Yeah. Fuel is measured in grams, not calories. This is an important point because if you can't turn fuel into energy, then measuring fuel in calories is a mistake. Interesting. Think of it like a full gasoline truck that runs out of fuel. But you might ask, how can it run out of fuel if it has a full load? Well, the truck runs on diesel. It's carrying gasoline. Uh-huh. It can turn diesel into energy. It can't turn gasoline into energy. Now, our body's a lot more adaptable than that. We have two primary fuels, fat and sugar, and we have a backup fuel of amino acids when we really run into trouble, but that's a topic for another bit of bullshit. So fat and sugar, or to be more accurate, fatty acids and glucose, we convert those in our mitochondria into a molecule called acetyl-CoA. So is that energy yet as acetyl-CoA? No, acetyl-CoA is actually more fuel. Okay. This is an all-purpose fuel. It has two potential pathways. We can turn it into new fatty acids or we can slice it up in the Krebs cycle to split the electrons and protons of hydrogen atoms in it in the presence of oxygen and producing carbon dioxide and water. Okay, respiration. We convert chemical energy of fuel into electrical energy and we convert Mm -hmm. that back into chemical energy in a molecule of ATP that we can use to do work. So... Uh, exactly. Let me let me just uh, tell you what I think 
of when I hear ATP. Mm-hmm. So, I think when I hear ATP, I think that this is the sort of like, it, as you were saying, you've got some diesel and you've got some gasoline and you want to convert that into like a a standard that all life uses as right. uh, as energy and every yeah. cell in every living thing uses ATP or is it just in animals? Mm-hmm. No, it's every cell. Plants do it as well. Okay. So, ATP is sort of like the universal language. It's like the, um, mm. what is that? Esperanto. Esperanto. Uh, it's like the Esperanto no, I- of, uh, <laughs> of energy. And so, the whole, the whole thing is everything that you eat and all the energy that's stored in your body is potential energy. Mm-hmm. Uh, comes down to ATP. And once it's ATP, it can be directly used by your mitochondria and your in your cells. All of the, pretty much a, a lot of the chemical reactions that occur in your body take ATP uh, as a way of, like, you know, if you're in a, in a, playing with a chemistry kit, you might take two two um, chemicals, mix them together, and then put them over a Bunsen burner, and adding the heat to that to that, uh, to those two chemicals, will produce a chemical reaction. Maybe the chem, maybe the, the the test tube changes color. Well, that ATP is like the heat that you're adding to a reaction to make it happen. Mm. So it's 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 a way of adding energy into a system to get these chemicals over the hump so that they combine and and produce um, the reactants. Excellent. So we could go on with metaphors. But you know, yeah, I think we've got, we, like, can, we can add at least it's five like more the JavaScript. To this. It's a Rube of Goldberg. Energy. It's a Rube Gold. It's like a Rube Goldberg <laughs> burger of metaphors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So precisely, we're at, we're now at energy. Yeah. I mean, ATP is pretty much uh, it is a, it is a chemical chemical that has a lot of pent up energy in it, and we can turn ATP into ADP and uh, utilize that energy to, to 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 run all of our reactions. And those reactions could be like. Um, uh, actin and myosin in your muscle fibers, which are pulling muscle fibers together so that you contract your muscles so that you can walk or run or you know, do a triathlon or whatever. So here's why calories in, calories out is simplistic. If you get all of the fatty acids and glucose from your food, these are your fuels, and you get them all into your mitochondria and you convert them all into ATP, then the grams of fuel in your food equals precisely the amount of energy that you have to do work. So if you, this is a very simplistic way of looking at the, the grams that I'm eating right. are equal to the calories that I have to, uh, I have to use. Mm. So any excess acetyl-CoA beyond your need for ATP, you export out of the mitochondria into the cell, you make new fat from it, and you send it off for storage, and you may use that later on. I have another metaphor, solar energy. Right, excellent. <laughs> solar okay. energy. So you have solar panels, and without mm-hmm. any way to store the energy that comes from solar panels, like a battery, um, you got to use. You it have right to away. use it, or you lose it. Yeah. And so, yeah, so exactly. the simplistic view of calories in, calories out is kind of like having a solar panel with no storage, with no battery, with no yeah, battery, exactly. Yeah, the, the, so so the, so your body fat is essentially a buffer. It's that, ba- it's it's the that battery. battery that buffers between a good day and a bad day. Yeah. The whole thing here is that you know any excess energy that we don't have, we we store in our battery. Um, so it's obvious. Eat less and move more, and you'll store less body fat. Yeah, it sounds simple. So why why do people hold on to this simplistic view of uh, calories in, calories out? Uh, hormones are why. 
Um, so a healthy human makes insulin in response to the appearance of excess glucose and protein in circulation. Say they've had a mixed meal. Insulin okay. is a switch between the two fuels to run your gl- engines on glucose, it's high, and to run your engines on fatty acids, it's low. Mm. When insulin is high, your fat cells stop releasing fatty acids into circulation um, and they import them from circulation. When insulin is high, your peripheral cells start drawing down glucose from circulation and any excess acetyl-CoA that they have, they make new fat from and they ship it out to fat cells to store for later. Okay. So that's that's what happens when insulin is high. When insulin goes low, your fat cells release free fatty acids into circulation and your sw- cells all switch to running on fat. 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 <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's a healthy, normal person. How about someone who has metabolic syndrome? Uh, that's where it becomes interesting. In us, insulin is permanently elevated. We have higher highs and higher lows. And here's the problem. Insulin signals not only the uptake of glucose, but the production of new fat. Yeah. Insulin promotes a transcription of an enzyme called acetyl-CoA carboxylase, or ACC. And this is the first enzyme in the pathway that turns our all-purpose fuel acetyl-CoA into new fat. And we made that all-purpose fuel from glucose, right? So when we have too much glucose, we turn it into fat. Ah, but we actually make acetyl-CoA from both fatty acids and glucose. So we're making new fat from glucose or making new fat from old fat when this pathway is switched on. I'm going to link to a study, Andrea Leyes et al., showing that when insulin is high, we have four times the amount of this enzyme than when insulin is low. Even when glucose is low. Okay. And this uh, study is uh, stimulation of acetyl-CoA carboxylase gene expression by glucose requires insulin release and st- SREBP1C in pancreatic uh, beta cells. Um, I'll also link a second study, Witters et al., uh, showing that insulin signals that that enzyme to turn on by dephosphorylating it on. Dephosphorylating it. And I'll link a second study, Witters et al., showing that insulin signals that enzyme to turn on by dephosphorylating it. Dephosphorylating. Yes. <laughs> hey, honey, I learned a new vocabulary word. <laughs> <laughs> Essentially, what it does is insulin does two things here. It says we need more of this protein that's going to be converting acetyl-CoA into new fats. We need four times as much, and we need to turn them all on so they're all running at full speed. Mm. So insulin signaling, independent of fuel availability, diverts fuel from making energy into making more fuel. It really is a switch. So this is the point where, yeah, but it, but it's but it's this is a a metabolically dysregulated switch because it's actually preventing us from turning fuel into energy. Yeah. Um, and th- this is not just a problem of fuel being generally diverted to make more fat, but it's this process also steps on the hose of transporting fatty acids into the mitochondria. Um, so I've got a third paper here from Park et al. showing that at least in rats, a diabetic rat is making 50 times the new fat as measured by the rate constant of inhibition of malonyl-CoA on carnitol palmitol transferase. This is the transporter we spoke about last show. Yeah. This the diabetic rat makes fifty times more new fat than a non-diabetic rat on the same mixed feed chow, hmm. showing that at least in rats, diabetic rats have to become fifty times more resistant to this inhibition just to get a little fatty acid into the mitochondria to be turning into fuel, with a very good chance instead of turning them into new fatty acids, which is not very helpful at all. So maybe some of you listening out there have had this experience where you know you look at somebody who can eat potato chips and pizza and not gain a pound 
and you know, and then their blood sugar comes right down. And you say, man, if I had one bite of that pizza, it'd take me a week to recover. Oh, the problem is you can't, you can't utilize fatty acids. And so, um, this explains why type 2 diabetics have, have such high triglycerides in circulation. It's not – triglycerides, people, people keep saying, oh, the, their circulation is full of energy. No, it's not energy if it can't be oxidized. Mm. It's not even really fuel anymore. It's just some inert molecule that's shipped around the place looking for a mitochondria and low enough insulin to become fuel one day. And in a hyperinsulinemic, insulin rarely drops. Yeah. Because we're permanently running out of energy, that drives hyperphagia and exercise intolerance. Or if you want to look at those in moral terms, gluttony and sloth sloths. are biochemical adaptations to chronically high insulin. So, when we lower insulin by not eating carbohydrates, it's not calories in that makes a difference. It's calories out. Right. Think of your body like a bathtub storing energy. The fuel coming in is the open faucet. The drain where you c- is where you convert fuel into energy. And there's a face washer stuck in the drain. So what happens? Yeah, the bathtub overflows all over the floor. <laughs> and right. then people say, I see your problem. There's water on the floor. <laughs> Thanks, yeah, genius. Exactly. <laughs> right. The metabolic syndrome with fuel being stored everywhere, even in places where it shouldn't be. So what, what happens if you turn down the faucet if you eat less? food. Well, the tub still overflows, but maybe a little slower than Mm -hmm. it did before. Yeah. And what happens if you yank the face washer out of the drain? Whoosh. Whoosh. Exactly. (laughs) So, this is the first six months on the keto diet for a type 2 diabetic. When we lower insulin for the first time in decades, the level in the tub goes down until the rate that the drain draws down equals the amount coming in from the faucet, and that's when you're on a plateau. Mm. But the important thing is the fuel is where it's supposed to be, not all over the floor. Hey, but I was promised some bullshit here, man. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the bullshit is the idea that the cause of being obese is gluttony and sloth, that calories in, calories out is any kind of complex math, and that describing the laws of conservation of energy has anything to do with biology, and that fat people just need to put down the Krispy Kreme and do a crisp 5K. Oh, yeah. That is bullshit. People who have never been morbidly obese have no idea. Just like we were saying before, never take dietary advice from a thin person. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, that speaks to how uh, our experience and and our collective experience, I know we've all experienced this, us just recently, Richard, that people look at us and say, what are those fatties doing talking about keto? Like, they're some kind of diet experts. Those guys need to eat a salad. Right, and then you don't know that you lost a hundred pounds. You got face washes in the drain, and I lost a hundred pounds, and Karen lost a hundred pounds, and you know Tom Mm Cease lost three hundred pounds, and he's still obese. So, you know, everything's relative. It is, it is. But the point is that we don't have uh, water all over the floor. We've got the water in the tub, which is where it's supposed to be. Excellent. um, It's a metabolically safer state to be in. Excellent, and that's bullshit for today. And that brings us to. With Carrie Brown. How are you, Carrie? Hello, Cousin Carl. How are you? Just fine. (laughs) I'm Mr. Franklin. No, you're Mr. Morris. I'm so confused. (laughs) Wait. It's so hot. (laughs) It's so hot all my brain cells are kind of merging. It's the the middle of winter. (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) What do you mean hot? I like, I like, seriously wish I was in Australia right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, me too. Yeah, it's, um, Mm-hmm. I wouldn't. We're in lockdown. <laughs> well, I feel like I'm in lockdown here. <laughs> yeah, <fair enough. laughs> 
What do you got for us, Carrie? Well, uh, last week, or I should say last episode, uh, we talked about two new things that I was doing just for me that weren't real recipes that were just two things that I'm finding super helpful right now. Mm -hmm. And I'm still on that kind of train of doing recipes that like take no time and yeah. no effort <laughs> quick and I, easy I, yeah i think there's a lot of people that are struggling to get back on and the thought of just spending a ton of money or a ton of time or effort or whatever in going in the kitchen and creating your own food can be the, the difference between you staying keto or not in some cases so yeah um i am still in the mode of sharing things that are super simple, super easy, but super delicious. Great. Give it to us. What do you got? And that this one today is actually very quickly became a fan favorite. So this one always gets lots of cheers and loves when I post uh, the link on social media. And it's a nod to my new nutmega roots mm -hmm. nutmega being for those of you who don't know nutmega is the colloquialism name for people who live in connecticut yes ah. the reason for that isn't very <laughs> isn't actually very good but i <laughs> <laughs> wooden nutmegs the wooden nutmegs yes a long 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 time ago we were we became famous for selling wooden nutmegs right. to people and hence the name <laughs> nutmegger anyway okay. so this is a riff on a very 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 popular thing which is the philly cheesesteak but of course no bread in this one so this recipe is called the sheet pan nutmegger cheesecake and if you have not ever been introduced to sheet pan recipes they're essentially recipes where you get all your ingredients and you sling them on a sheet pan or a cookie sheet yeah or a baking tray baking depending tray. on yep. what what country you're in uh -huh. and you put it in the oven and everything cooks together and then you you pull it out and you have this pan of glorious food yeah so there are a ton of sheet pan recipes online, but a lot of them actually, the way they're developed, you actually have to like put something in, open the oven, add something, mm -hmm. open like, and, and they end up taking you as long as if you'd use the skillet. This is not that. This is a, a real sheet pan recipe that mm. you put in and forget it and then eat it. Nice. nice. So here's what we're going to do we're going to preheat our oven to 400 degrees Fahrenheit. And then in a large bowl, we're going to put half a cup of avocado or coconut oil. We're going to toss some sea salt and ground black pepper in there, four tablespoons of coconut aminos, and a tablespoon of ground nutmeg. And we're going to ask a question. Yes, you may. I've always wondered what coconut aminos are and what they uh, replace in the non keto world or the non nutritional world. So they're typically, and you do, caveat, you do have to read the label as always because all coconut aminos are not the same and they're typically used to replace Worcester sauce. 
Worcestershire. 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 Worcestershire, as the Canadians <laughs> taught me to say it. <laughs> Worcestershire. Yeah. I love watching people try to pronounce that on Yes, and I was too polite to correct them the first time I went to Canada. So, yeah. Worcestershire sauce is, is what it typically replaces. And does it taste like Worcestershire? Does it have the, the juniper notes and all that it, stuff? It, it kind of it does have that same tang. I think on its own, you could tell a difference. But when you mix it in with all the other things, um, you're gonna you're not gonna miss your Worcestershire sauce. Okay. So you're gonna put all those in a bowl. You're gonna mix them together well, and then you're gonna add two pounds of shaved steak. Now, shaved steak mm. is something that we can just go to the store and buy in the U.S. It's typically in the in pre-packaged in the freezer section is where I've seen it most yep. often. Although sometimes you can find it pre-packaged in the in the fresh meat section. If shaved steak is not something that that comes pre-packaged where you are, you can simply ask your butcher to shave you some steak. Yeah, thinly and sliced. Does it involve a razor blade? Like a safety blade? <laughs> so foam cream? Up, lather, <laughs> lather up and... <laughs> I can always count on you to make my recipes way more exciting. <laughs> so I know that in Australia, Costco sells meat in a style called yakinori cut. Which yeah. is sliced finely, and it's they they have pork, beef, and I think I think it's just pork and beef, but it's it's sliced finely in maybe um, uh, five millimeter thick shavings, mm. and it'd be perfect for this. So yeah, yakinori. I actually got Kelly to get off of steakums, which I don't even know what that stuff is made out of, and and onto shaved steak, and she liked the real steak better. Mm-hmm. So, so shave steak is literally like paper thin steak yeah. that that's been cut into paper thin, and if you hold it up, you can actually like see light through it. So it's mm-hmm. and but shave steak is you actually need that for this recipe to work because mm. the in order to have everything cook in the same time at the same temperature, you need the steak to be really, really thin. So yeah. if you can't find it where you are, just ask your butcher to shave you some some beef. I also have another observation, which is that when you have meat, when you're cooking meat that's shaved very thin, you have more surface area in which to collect, you know, the, the, the cooking fat. The tasty stuff. The tasty stuff. So it tends to be tastier. Yeah. So you're going to get your two pounds of shaved steak, and then you're going to get 12 ounces of thinly sliced bell peppers, nine ounces of thinly sliced onions, eight ounces of sliced mushrooms, and you're going to toss all of those things in your seasonings until everything is thoroughly coated. Mm, I like where this is going, Carrie. It's a marinade. Yes. So then you're going to spread the meat and veggie mixture onto onto a sheet pan baking tray or two small ones. In in the US, we can get ones that are half size, so you can do two half right. size or one full one. Hmm. And then you're going to place your sheet pan in the middle shelf of your preheated oven and you're going to bake it for 15 minutes, which is all it needs to cook the beef. At what temperature? 400. 400F. Yes, 400F. So after 15 minutes, you're going to turn the oven off and you're going to turn the broiler or the grill 
on. Mm-hmm. You're carefully going to remove the pan from the oven and you're going to spread a mix of six ounces of shredded mozzarella and six ounces of shredded gruyere. You're going to spread that evenly over the surface. Then you're going to pop the pan under the broiler for five minutes until the cheeses have melted. And then you're going to take it out from under the broiler and you're going to eat it. And you're going to be super happy. And watch it as it broils because your oven may be hotter than Carrie's and it might take only 30 seconds and, you know. Yes. Some broilers have, you can actually change the temperature. Um, and others are just like on or off. Oh, yeah. high. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, um, yeah, a general rule of thumb is you have anything under the broiler, don't leave. <laughs> that sounds delicious. It sounds like an elevated cheesesteak. Yes. Well, that's what it is. I, one way I really like to have cheesesteaks in a keto context is to get um, an iceberg lettuce. And use a, make a lettuce make a lettuce cup, and then put the cheesesteak in the lettuce cup, and then fold it over to and and eat it like you know it's like fast food. It's like finger food. I know what I'm having for dinner. Yeah, and of course you can <laughs> if you if you miss the bread and you you have access to something like Fox Hill buns, something like that. You can totally pile this into a Fox Hill bun, or if you've made the the hoagies from with Fox Hill mix, you can yes. totally make it into a Philly cheesesteak sandwich if you want to. We do that here at our house. We take one batch of Fox Hill all-purpose mix. Again, this is not an infomercial. It's not a paid advertisement. Red.2keto.com. That's true. Okay. <laughs> Only because we love it. Only because it's we love not, it. It's not an advert. <laughs> no, we don't get paid for this, but but basically take one batch and turn it into three long baguettes and then put we, I actually cook it in a baguette pan. And so uh, when it comes out, it has that nice pattern on the bottom, you know, that you see with baguettes, yes. they have that pattern. Yes. And I let them cool, slice it in half. And then I actually dig out the middle. Uh, it's the Bobby Flay trick of you know, to increase the stuffing to bread ratio in a burger um, or a sandwich. You know, you scoop out the middle so that you only have the crispy bits and you don't have the, the spongy stuff so much. And then put that in the toaster and crisp it up till it's like cracker crispy. Yeah. And that makes the best hoagies, grinders, sub sandwiches, whatever you want to call them. So if Sammies. you piled, if you piled this um, sheet pan nug maker cheesecake into... Into that, that would be fabulous. I'll be Excellent. over later. You better. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Gary. Nice. Thanks, Gary. See ya. Hey, thanks for listening. And we hope you get as much out of this information as we do in putting it together. Two Keto Dudes doesn't take advertising revenue. We have no benefactors with hidden agendas. That's right. It's all listeners like you who keep our lights on. And there are a few ways you can support us all of which are listed on our website at twoketodudes.com slash support. Thanks again. See you next time.